This is riveting. Find more at riveting.fm. I'm Morgan. I'm a publicist. I'm Linda, and I'm a writer and editor. And this is... Drink. Drink. Drunk. A grammar show. With a drinking, you know, issue. Habit. Maybe a hobby. Hobby? It's a hobby. It's a hobby. Yes. I like that much better. Yeah. Tax write-off for hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) Just learned that. Must be tax season. (laughs) Welcome to the show, everybody. As Linda said... We talk about grammar and words and communication while we drink. Yeah. Feel free to join us. Drink. Crack open a beer. Yeah. Linda's having a beer from Iceland. Getting in the mood. Going there soon. A second trip to the land of ice. Is it called the land of lights? No. Okay. There's like no light there. So. But the northern. <laughs> oh, the northern lights. Yeah. No, I've never heard that. Maybe. Um, yeah, I went a few years ago in the summer. So I'm looking forward to going in the colder months. See what that's like. Dark. I assume. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, though. Um. All right. Well, we are ironically, not ironically, coincidentally oh. going to talk about... Um, Different languages, but we're also going to talk about titles and healthcare because this is a medical podcast. Right. And spelling bees. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> I was reading the New York Times recently. Mm, you're so smart. Mm-hmm. And I came across an article titled, Talking to In-Laws Can Be Hard. In some, language, in some languages, it's impossible. Hmm. In-laws may be universally intimidating, but in some cultures, the deference paid them rises to a whole new level, at least linguistically. What kind of deference do you pay to your in-laws, Linda? Um, I allow my mother-in-law to make me delicious gravy, mm. which is red pasta sauce for those not in the know. <laughs> and then I clean the Tupperware that she gives it to us in, Oh, and then I take it back to her to refill. <laughs> I'm sure she loves that. She does. A geographically widespread practice known as avoidance speech or mother-in-law languages imposes strict rules on how one speaks or doesn't to the parents of a spouse with daughters-in-law typically bearing the brunt of such limits. Of course. Yeah, tell me about it. Just kidding. I don't have this issue, but... In parts of Africa, Australia, and India, some societies restrict the words a person can say after marriage. So just imagine this. That's so fucked up. One rule forbids married women from using words that begin with the same syllable as the name of their father-in-law or (laughs) mother-in-law. Like, how are you even that smart to like... Yeah, I mean, that's just a good good puzzle. A good... Twister. How could you ever even like? You talk? know how fucked I would be, <laughs> because the first syllable of my mother-in-law's name is Bar. What I'm never going to say, Bar. <laughs> Forget it. I'd right. have to marry someone else. You'd have to say like Watering Hole, or Meet Me at the Pub. Pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to come up with a new term. So that's what they talk about. That there are workarounds. So in some languages, there are. For basic words, 
There's the normal word that everybody uses. Okay. And then there's a synonym that is specifically for people who can't use the normal word. Okay. So it's like a whole new word. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be like par also means bar. Yeah, but it's only for people who, like, can't say bar or something. I mean, we're making that one up, obviously. Yeah, that was a... That was fake, guys. Um, Euphemisms are another frequent solution. So if the word ox is taboo for a wife to say, she may refer to the one that plows. Damn. There's also a language that has a word like whatchamacallit so that you can just, like, sub that Um, name. That's fun. Yeah. I would like that. (laughs) Going down to the whatchamacallit to get a couple whatchamacallits. (laughs) I would be like, what? Like, what if it gets, like, too confusing? Um... Uh, in other cultures, married women are forbidden from using their father-in-law's name or any word that has the same root or similar sound. Yikes. That would be tough. Oh, um, you know what that would do for me? I wouldn't have to pay any bills because uh, his name is Bill. <laughs> so it could work out maybe for you. Yeah, but I'm sorry. I can't receive this mail. It has a word on it. <laughs> A daughter-in-law in in another culture is not allowed to use words that begin with the same letters as her in-laws' names. That one, I think, is the hardest. Well, maybe it's not. No, I think it is, because it probably, like, eliminates a lot more. That's pretty hard. Um, And this is a respect thing? Yeah, I think so. Avoidance speech can be more of a two-way street in Australia, with restrictions applying across genders and generations. So... There are some cultures in Australia where a man and his mother-in-law are forbidden to directly address each other. Whoa. I mean, I guess you could never have a, a salty relationship. Good point. If you don't, on the upside. If you don't speak. <laughs> so at the end, they say, why did the custom of avoidance speech arise? Some experts on its use in Africa and India see it as a way to reinforce the inferior status of daughters-in-law. In Australia, the prohibitions might have been intended to reduce the chance of sexual relations between in-laws. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, like, was that happening so much that you had to be like, that's it. (laughs) That is it. You cannot talk to your in-laws anymore because everybody knows once you start talking. (sighs) Next logical step. I just couldn't believe, besides the cultural and... Yeah, and I don't gender significance of this. Yeah, I don't want to be a total asshole and be like really glib. And I understand that different cultures are every everybody's different, and I'm not better than anybody. I just thought it was fascinating that someone could even abide by these rules. It is fascinating because I don't think that much about um, what I say. Evidenced by this entire podcast, probably just listen to one episode. I have no idea what I'm saying most of the time. No, no, no. I'm no thought. It's mm-mm. you the hear it at the just, same time that other people do. The words just come <laughs> out. Yeah. I'm like, what? So Did it I just like takes a lot of you know, planning. And I guess it's just ingrained and you're used to <laughs> yeah, hearing yeah, you're your mom do it. it and your friends do it and da, 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 but yeah. That is crazy. Mental gymnastics. It's a good way to put it. Maybe everybody's smarter because they use their brains more. For simple things like talking to their in-laws. Yeah. Maybe we should all use our brains more when we talk to our in-laws. It's a good lesson. I don't know. It sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) 
anyway, like I was saying, this podcast is varied on all of the things that we are experts in. Mm-hmm. So I thought that now would be a good time to go to the healthcare corner right, of this show. Do you like to spell healthcare as one word or two? Literally never thought of it until what? right now. Oh my God, I think about it all the time. <laughs> when I wrote this outline, I did one word. Okay, so that's how you spell it. So that is how I spell it. Okay. <laughs> how do you spell it? I really haven't chosen a preferred way yet. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> I think it's going to go to one word. What does AP do? I think there are two. All I right. think. And I think the New York Times is as well. So then when you say healthcare plan, you hyphenate. Ew. Yeah, people hate the hyphen. I mean, come on, guys. Get it together. All right. One word healthcare. Here we go. And go. Okay. So these are just some fun little things that I'm becoming because, you know, everybody's talking about healthcare. Mm-hmm. So the more people talk about stuff, the more we can criticize the, yeah. the way they talk. That's all we need. That's why we want Tom Cruise back in the news. <laughs> we need to make fun of something. Um, <laughs> so this is from Politico, and it says, White House says, don't call it Trump care, which I thought was interesting because... You know, usually politicians want to put their names on stuff. And specifically, Donald Trump loves to put his name on buildings, wine, books, stakes, colleges. Right. But in this case, they don't want the healthcare plan to be named after him. Yeah. And it's because through the past like 20 years, using the suffix care has come to mean bad like nobody like if you put care on the end of a word it's viewed unfavorably and specifically by conservatives but i think it's spread even further than that um can you give an example besides obamacare romney care all right well besides like health care <laughs> no just those oh yeah then how is it the past 20 years because hillary care was in the 1990s oh um I mean, Romney care was probably like in the early 2000s. Like it's, yeah. you know, these things have been around for a long time um, that people have been. Um, had, did you ever hear that like experiment, I guess, that people have done where they like call people and say like, what, like on a survey, what do you think of Obamacare? And people are like, I hate it. It's the worst. Like doing all sorts of terrible things to the yeah country. And then they're like, what do you think of the Affordable Care Act? And they're like, the Affordable Care Act sounds good. Like, I want that one. <laughs> and it's just, it's funny because for those of you who don't know, it's that's the same thing, but it was nicknamed Obamacare. Yep. And it's just like one of those things that's, I, I, I love when stuff like that happens. When language and like sociology converge, I love it. She loves it, guys. Um, I feel like I have vocal fry tonight more so than normal Hmm. do you hear it i'll be on the lookout but ear out yeah the ear out i'll keep my ears out (laughs) okay that's weird okay so the trump team is very attuned to this risk and whenever they have been asked about what they're going to call it they totally always shun the words trump care um Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price says, I prefer to call it patient care. Um, 
That's confusing because that could mean something else. Like well, patient care is a thing. Well done. Okay. Keep um, going. Sean Spicer says, we're not really concerned about labels. Kellyanne Conway's like, well, I could say that, but we don't really want to put a name on it yet. Um, this isn't about branding according to somebody's name. Like, they're all being, like, very defensive. Like, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not doing that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, Democrats have been embracing the name and trying to push it forward. Yeah. Um, just the same way that Republicans did for Obamacare. They came up with the term Obamacare. They used that label. They pushed it um, and they used it as like a, you know, a, a bait to get people fired up. And like you said, yeah. like, Hate it. yeah, to say that this is a government takeover of healthcare, and and they used made a series of state based provisions in the law called like the Cornhusker kickback, the Bay State boondoggle, the Louisiana purchase. Like that's funny. Yeah, very funny. Um, so, but the Democrats are saying like, well, after the repeal, there's going to be Trump care, and next it's Trump care. Like they're using it. They're trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that they were. Against calling it Trump. Already trying to nip that in the bud and be like, absolutely not. We're not going to use that (laughs) name. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, the best is what they landed on. And I don't know by the time this comes out where we'll be in this process. But this week it was unveiled. The uh, Republicans unveiled their promise bill to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And they are calling it... Um, the world's greatest healthcare plan of 2017. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's a mouthful. My, eyes are rolling in the back of their heads. Everybody, what the fuck? Courts uh, did an article. Grammar is the first victim of the world's greatest healthcare plan of 2017, and just in that name alone, that's already so many things wrong with it. So they say, let's start with inaccuracy. The bill affects American healthcare alone, calling it the world's anything, is equal parts baffling and misleading. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. is notoriously bad at healthcare, and we are currently ranked 31st in the world, below Colombia, Israel, Costa Rica, Canada. We're barely beating Slovenia, so. You know, that's not yeah accurate, calling it world's best. I don't know what you could possibly do to get us up 31 spots with one plan. Yeah. Um, putting of 2017 at the end is just like sabotaging your world's greatest by giving it a time limit that's yeah. going to expire. It's like world's greatest healthcare plan by the end of this sentence. <laughs> No one else came up with one, so. <laughs> yeah, so, and um, it, they say, you're essentially declaring itself the greatest healthcare plan ever proposed in the world in the last two months, <laughs> or more slightly more ambitiously, the next nine months. Um, and it was originally proposed in 2016. And no oh, one by whom? Um, I don't know. I can't click through right now. But uh, whoever, um, no one has managed to come up with a better title in the time since. Already. Um, but it's just, you know, it's classic vintage 
Trump. It's saying, you know, no one respects women more than me without any actions or proof, but just saying that people will be like, you know what, you're right. And saying world's greatest healthcare plan mm-hmm. and being like, you know what, I believe it. I'd like him really to solve the question of one word or two. Let's well, get to the real business. All right. Uh, it's one word. In oh, plan. in the name? Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Before the New York Times. The act may be cited as the world's greatest healthcare one word plan of 2017. Don't call it Trump. All right. Do you want some happy news? Always. Well, I know you love a spelling bee. Mm-hmm. And you know the Scripps bee, the big bee. The big one. The bee on ESPN, y'all, is coming. Yeah. So we're getting a little bit of intel on, you know, who might be showing up this year. Yeah players who's <laughs> you know you're gonna have the draft to do your draft who are you gonna bet on yeah who's the dark horse <laughs> so everybody brackets Get number brackets one in. number one draft pick and everybody's spelling bee draft should be edith fuller okay she is five years old mm. she's the first five-year-old to ever qualify my God. And what she's were you doing when you were five? Bomb. Certainly couldn't spell or read. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know what? Actually, I could read. But I don't remember when I started reading, but. Um, yeah. I started reading at the dentist's office in the waiting room. I started reading Dr. Seuss. And that's okay. when I realized I could read. And my mom was like, hey, you're reading. And I was like, oh my God, I am. I remember my grandmother being like, are you reading this or do you just know it because your yeah. mom has read it to you so many times? And I was sort of like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I was just like, I'm actually not sure about how to answer that question because mm. I did read it so many times. Yeah. And I think I probably could read some words, but there was things like beautiful, which was like a long word that I would know. <laughs> and she'd be like, do you really know what that word says or do you just know that that's the word that comes after that sentence or whatever? I was like, I really can't tell you. <laughs> I'm five. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the dentist was a pivotal part of my childhood. It's where I ate, drank all the fluoride and threw up on my dentist. Mm. And then developed a lifelong fear of dental professionals. <laughs> okay. And also learned to read. Well, highs and lows. Yeah. How did you go to the dentist when you had a back brace? <laughs> Like, can you lay in the chair? Yeah. I mean, I had to wear it to sleep. Oh, yeah. Did you ever take it off? Like, when, to shower? Yeah, to shower. And when I got it, I could take it off one hour a day. Um, And that's when I quit ballet. Because I decided for my one hour a day, I didn't want to spend it at ballet. I wanted to be, hmm. like, partying with my friends, swimming in the pool. Why can't you wear the back brace in ballet? Because you can't. You can't do, like, I'm doing, like, side bends right now. Like, <laughs> I see. Yeah. You can't bend your body like that. Okay. Um, so well, it's probably better for your back anyway. If you were already wearing a back brace, maybe you shouldn't have been in ballet. Ballet's not bad for your back. 
my back was, my spine was crooked. I didn't have any muscular problems. Anyway, basically, <laughs> I could be a professional famous ballerina right now, and I'm not. Ugh. Because when I was in the fifth grade, I quit ballet. Do you know that in the last episode, you blamed your track coach for the reason you weren't a track star, and it was because they were our <laughs> Birkenstocks all the time and left kids at Wendy's? Yeah. I mean, that also wasn't true. I'm not a good runner. Um <laughs> But you were a great ballet ballerina. I wasn't bad. I was pretty good, actually. But I got, I also would have gotten too tall. I was already too tall as it was. I was as tall as the adult ballerinas when I was in <laughs> fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They're very oh petite women. Yeah. Well, but I was good. That was the one thing I was good at. <laughs> Just that thing. Just and way. reading Dr. Seuss. And reading. I've always been a good reader fast. Can't remember when I'm done. See, I'm a slow reader. Mm. Always have been. Very speedy. Okay. All right. So what just I'm about? like a regular Edith Fuller. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say. You should try to enter. She's five years old. Definitely be taller than everybody there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she knows how to spell sarsaparilla, zephyr, and chauvinism. Oh. Get used to it, Edith. <laughs> She's the youngest person in history to qualify for the annual Cutathon. What's that? That's the spelling bee. That's what Slate called it, the one I'm reading this from. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Scripps bee is the biggest bee. The process is open to children through eighth grade and starts with thousands of school competitions all around the country. And then those winners progress to local and regional events. And Edith is going to Washington, D.C. because she won the Greene County Regional Spelling Bee in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She spelled 37 words correctly, culminating in jhana. Okay. It's a Sanskrit origin word for knowledge. Which is appropriate. Yep. Uh, J-N-A-N-A for all of you interested. Um, J-A. J-N-A-N-A. J-N-A-N-A. Yeah, it's Sanskrit. Okay. I mean, you got to know every fucking language to yeah, get to the B. weird. And she's five. That's crazy. She's five. Yes. She's... Adorable. You have to look up pictures of her. She has a giant bow in her hair. Her shirt's hanging down past her fingers because it's too big. She's really, really cute. Do you remember the story that came out a few months ago about the like the world's youngest librarian or something? Oh yeah. So cute. She was adorable. Guys, little girls are killing it these days. Really are. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Take care of us when you're older. Please. Like, come on, (laughs) guys. We need you. Um Okay, so guys, get ready for the B. Make your Edith signs, get your Edith pins, order your Edith shirts. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. Team Edith. Linda. Yes. I think that something people need help with Mm -hmm. in the world is healthcare. No, I'm kidding. Well, can't do anything about that. One word. We decided here. There. <laughs> solved. Done. Who cares how sick you are? Yeah. At least you know how to 
spell. I wonder what Edith Fuller would say. Um, oh yeah, let's let's call her. <laughs> Just kidding. It's probably too late for her. It's definitely too late. It's it's eight thirteen on a school night. Yeah, Edith, get in bed. Stop studying, uh, you nerd. Although if she's in Oklahoma, <laughs> isn't it seven? Maybe. Okay. I don't know time zones. <sighs> well, that's what I was going to ask you about. No. <laughs> People need to know their time zone. Talk to us about titles. and Of like books. and Yeah, I'm talking books. I'm talking movies. I'm talking when people are like on their Facebook and they're like, I just saw blah, blah, blah. Or I just read. Uh, like social media specifically, maybe. Dingle, dingle dork. Like, <laughs> is that? It's a book somebody just read in my made up Facebook post. Oh, okay. I think that people want to know. When to capitalize, when to italicize, when to quotation mark. Okay. So, um, I mean, the quotation marks and italicizing, it's really a matter of style, but I would say Mm -hmm. a safe rule is that, like, books and movies are italicized. Okay. And, like, short stories and poems and television shows get quotation marks. Like sometimes I see like a magazine article get a quotation mark yeah, too. Okay. Right? Yep. Okay. Magazine article. So actually on our website, so because it's a style thing, oh. on our drunkwordnerds.com, mm. when we include links to articles that we talk about, mm-hmm. we link them. Yes. So that you can actually click on it and go to the article. And I think maybe no one thinks about it the way I do, but I think because it basically gets underlined and highlighted yeah. because of the link, I think that's enough to differentiate to stand it. stand out, yeah. That I never put quotation marks around it. I don't think. Yeah. No, we never have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, again, it is kind of a style thing. I decide, and we all decided, like, not to do it for our website. But generally, yes put quotation marks around a magazine article. And it's also because like you want the purpose of it is to differentiate what it is. You just want to help your reader because if you suddenly just start capitalizing things, they're like, wait, what? What's this? Okay. And so you want to make sure that they know you're you're talking about a book, a magazine, an article, a, hmm. you know, a television show, whatever. So that's why you differentiate it somehow. Okay. I don't really know why we as a society, decided to do, like, quotation marks for some and then actually underline for others, but now italicize. Oh, yeah. I forgot underline was a thing. Yeah. So I think an interesting thing... Back in my thing, book report days. Yeah. hmm My God. On theme paper. Um, we, <laughs> we now are moving to social media, which I think is interesting to see how people differentiate. Yeah. Because like, you can italicize on Facebook or Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. So whenever I talk about Titanic on Facebook okay. or Twitter, okay, I always wonder what to do yeah. because that one is tough. It's a it's single word yeah, that you capitalize. It's the name of a ship. Yeah, it's the name of a ship. Maybe you're just talking about the ship. <laughs> Again, I'm watching Titanic. Yeah, not the feature <laughs> film starring Leonardo. Leo. Um. 
So I do always wonder, like, kind of what to do. I think I put... And you tweet about Titanic three times a week, at least. At least. Mm-hmm. I have a recurring tweet on Hootsuite set up, too. Because you also have that that Twitter account. <laughs> What's it called? I love Leo. <laughs> Will you marry me? Underscore. Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> Capital T? Okay. I love Leo. Will you marry me? Underscore Titanic. (laughs) Everybody follow it. You know where I fell in love with him, though, was Romeo and Juliet, not Titanic. Well, (laughs) so (laughs) do you do Romeo plus Juliet when you talk about that? Because wasn't that like how they did it in the movie poster? Um, I'm Googling it. Yeah, I do it. However... They do it. I probably would Google it if I was about to tweet about it. Okay. So anyway, um, you know, you go back for it. So like maybe I'll put quotation marks around it. Maybe I will be like whatever, who cares and not do anything. Um, but I follow a woman who I've mentioned before, but I think I like f- forgot her name or something. Um, Emily Nussbaum. She's mm. a TV critic for yeah. The New Yorker. And when she talks. She's funny, right? Yeah, she's really funny. Okay. Um, and I love that she like rewatches old shows because so do I. Well, of course you love that. <laughs> like she just finished with Parks and Rec again. I'm like, oh my god. She, oh, and she man. like tweeted something like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I'm done with Parks and Rec. It's really gotten me through the last few months with the election and everything." And I, and she's like, "Maybe next I'll go to Thirty Rock." And I'm like, "Oh my god, I've been doing Thirty Rock for the last few months, and I think now I'm going to go back to Parks and Rec." Wow, you guys should compare notes. I really do want to be friends with her. Anyway. When, I've noticed that when she writes about um, like a television show, mm-hmm. she often uses all caps mm. to differentiate, like to just you know point out what she's talking about. Yeah, that seems aggressive, but it does seem aggressive. But I think it's helpful. Like, so you're saying so that it doesn't. So I just went to her Twitter account, and she's talking about girls, and girls is like a very common word. Right. So it's hard when you just... Is she doing all caps? Yeah. When you just come across it and you see the word girls, capital G, the rest lowercase, it's like, wait, what? You might have to think about it. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting because as opposed to the quotation mark situation, Mm -hmm. um, she's not taking away her characters. That's smart. They're precious. Yes. That's two extra characters that she has. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, she's adapting to this new, and she has a style, and she clearly sticks to it. She does it all the time. And I kind of appreciate it. Even though I don't love all caps mm-hmm. as a rule, I... You'll forgive it in these small I think, circumstances. I think it's so helpful. That's the thing. Okay. So anyway, I don't know if that answered your question, but... Oh, there's another thing about titles that I think annoys you and, and oh, me. Yes. When people lowercase is. Right. Or are. Yes. A-R-E. Or just people don't know which which words to make little in a title. Yeah. So. So if I were oh going. Gosh, I just scrolling through Emily Nuss, Nussbaum's Twitter feed. Yeah. I see a, a New York Times article. Fox is said to settle with former contributor. Um, and I can't see the rest because it's cut off. But the is is little I. From a New York Times article, mm-hmm. that must be their style. I so it, again, it is a style thing. I like when is is capitalized because I think it is worthy of a capital letter. Hold on, everybody. When I clicked through on their site, it's capital I. <gasps> you know what that means? 
uh, it's, their social media director fucked up. Oh, because or their social media person because they probably had to write the tweet that if you just do tweet this, mm-hmm. yeah, you know how like automatically you like populates. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Don't, don't worry, everybody. They do capital I. Okay. So the point is, what we're saying is, just because it's a little word, mm-hmm. you don't just lowercase every little word. You only lowercase two of the. I mean, I thought you were about to be like, I thought you were saying you only lowercase two, as in the number two of, and I was like, of what? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. No, I'm just listing the like, to. Yeah. Of, I mean, so the one rule that I, I kind of like, and people disagree on this, is um, articles, which those are, well, articles and prepositions, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, articles that are three words or less are lowercase. Okay. So, um, and prepositions. So with a lot of people lowercase, but this I think is, with should be capital. This is what I was just wondering because I'm looking at this New York Times article and they have a W capital W with and I'm trying to wonder, I'm trying to wonder. You are. If that looks weird or not. And I can't decide because I'm still trying but to But imagine it lowercase. I don't yeah. like it um, I lowercase. I can't decide. It's too long of a word. I'm going to take and it the on w a case is, by case basis. The W is so thick. Or whatever. <laughs> she just Bothered. called a W fat. Yeah. Fat dub. Linda, Linda, Linda. Body shaming W's. Anyway, was there anything else about titles? Um, no. <laughs> I once, um, in my former job, uh, I used to do quotations and stuff about, like, best quotes from articles or whatever. We'd put them in. <laughs> Various reports and stuff. Yes. And someone was once a professional proofreader was once proofreading a report that we did. Mm. And she told me that I don't have to use other people's style rules in quotes. Oh, that's exciting. So I was like, what? Because she noticed that my company, she knew that my company, for instance, didn't do the serial comma. Mm hmm. But the article that I was quoting used, used a serial it. comma, and Must so I kept it in. <laughs> so I kept it in, and she was like, you don't have to do that. You can use your own style. Same thing with M dashes. Like, you know how some people just do hyphen, hyphen? Mm. I would keep that in a quote, and she wow. was like, no, just use your own style. So that was the day you were liberated. I just couldn't believe it, and I don't know. I don't think I, like, really kept those <laughs> changes because I was like that just seems so weird to me <laughs> to like change someone's that somebody style. would bastardize style like that I don't know but People it did look weird on a whole report you on the daily. yeah on a whole report that we'd be using a certain style and then suddenly we change it for a quote but I don't know yeah, it's kind of distracting if I was reading that report I would be like this uh, proofreader did a terrible job <laughs> style is all over the place Titanic oh it's Romeo <laughs> plus Juliet Oh, okay. Then that's what I would use. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I think you got to keep that kind of stuff, like travel and leisure. I do the plus. Yeah. Uh, that annoys me about Vernick food plus drink. No one knows what that means. That's a, that's <laughs> that's a local reference. That's a restaurant. Yeah, I like it kind of. But okay, uh, I see. I see what you're saying. I don't know. I mean, if you want to say and, just say and, guys. No ampersands. You don't like ampersands either. No, I'm over it. All right. What's the point? I don't know. (laughs) 
I hate when people use ampersands in like normal mm. like language. I'm like, why am I reading this like communications plan and suddenly there's an ampersand in a paragraph? Weird. <laughs> Are you texting this plan to me? It takes way too long to text an ampersand. Don't be ridiculous. Good point. To go to a whole nother keyboard. All right. Well, okay. titles. Well, titles. Romeo plus Juliet. There. Rent, rent it today. That's all you need to know. At your local blockbuster. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Go to drunkwordnerds.com. It's where we link to all of our articles, and they are not in quotations. Damn. I make up my own style. The Huss style. Subscribe to it. The book's coming out in 2019. 2019? I'm giving you time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. We don't have a deal yet. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta shop that around. (laughs) All of the book agents who listen, call me. Bye. Are book agents a thing? Remember the postcards that used to be in like Seventeen magazine and stuff? Mm-mm. Oh my god, they used to have postcards of Romeo and Juliet scenes before it came out. Okay. This has been a riveting production. <laughs>